Hello and welcome to You Me and the Economy. A place for news views and all that is happening in the arena of finance and economy. Curated by the Center for Financial Accountability. We're living in an era of accelerating environmental destabilization. The accumulated burden of centuries of exploitation and destruction now threatens the safe functioning of the natural systems upon which all life ultimately depends. The COP26 has just ended with a lot of noise around what happened and what didn't happen in the most coveted convenings of the year. However, in some of these conversations and critiques, we often forget that the genesis of the catastrophe lies in the design of our solutions. Hello, I'm Sonal and I'm a researcher here at the Center for Financial Accountability. In today's podcast, we'd focus not just on climate change or COP, but on the whole relationship between humanity and the biosphere. This relationship brings us very close to answering the question as to why economists and for that matter policymakers have responded so inadequately to the planetary emergency or at least incommensurate with the magnitude and urgency of the crisis. Well, the shortcoming has a lot to do with the pre-analytic vision of the economy. Now what that means is how one conceives of an economy before you even begin your analysis of it. In mainstream economics, dominated by neoclassical economists, the economy is largely conceived as a self-contained system independent of the biosphere and it is presented as a set of relationships between firms and households. Like households buy from the firms and supplying them with the factors of production. So for those of you who might have come across any standard economics textbook might have seen some or the other version of this diagram. Now these assumptions might have made sense a long time ago when the human economy was small in relation to the planetary systems, but this understanding is hopelessly inadequate in today's world. And yet, it is the implicit or rather the explicit pre-analytic vision of an economy that is still being taught in many reputed and elite university departments across the globe, and most sadly, in public policy institutions too. This has largely remained responsible for why economists and public policy practitioners have been slow to pick up on issues which go beyond their pre-analytic frame. There have been some bright spots in this regard too. Ecological economics that has been developed over the last several decades has certainly tried to tackle some of these dichotomies. Ecological economics starts with a pre-analytic vision of an economy embedded deeply in the biosphere and in fact totally dependent on it for material and energy inputs from disposing waste to the land, air, sea space where economic activity takes place. So unlike the mainstream, ecological economics does not start with a freestanding economy somehow dangling in space. Rather, it embeds the economy in biosphere. And taking notes since day one of the analysis as to where the resources come from, how they are used, and where they go to. Another key distinction between neoclassical economics and ecological economics is that neoclassical economics generally attributes environmental problems, including climate change, to market failure due to externalities. Well, this essentially is a problem of seeing environmental problems as a problem of microeconomics and hence a tendency to approach it at the micro level. But ecological economics concerns itself with the physical scale of the economy. And it sees, therefore, environmental problems and climate change as a problem of macro nature, a problem of scale that leads us to question as to how large an economy can be or ought to be and makes us question both the development paradigm on a, on a qualitative scale and the growth paradigm on a quantitative scale. The third difference is that ecological economics has a different understanding of the human. 
not as a socially isolated, self-interested individual, often referred to as homo economicus, but to use Herman Daly's phrase, a person embedded in the community. Ecological economics basically attempts to understand how the regal economy, the financial economy, and the planetary systems, three very different kinds of systems, are interrelated and affect one another. However, an important submission in this regard would be that even by the best standards of ecological economics, like the ideas of natural capital, ecosystem, and biodiversity, do not capture the whole of environmental problems. Let's take an example here. Water pollution, air pollution, water depletion, livelihood loss, and displacement that follows from the entire developmental machinery that operates by converting forests into mines, by converting agricultural lands into industrial complexes, and a whole bunch of transformations that are hidden from the first world, because when happening in the third world, this machinery first grabs resources from the global south, destroys local livelihood, and that provides well-being to a very small fraction of the world population, and a well-being of a very particular kind, one which consists of very high levels of material throughputs. However, a number of metrics from ecological economics are often unable to capture this. Given all of these issues of analytics and frames, it makes one question whether these metrics or economics as a discipline are part of the problem because they focus on a very narrow part of the reality. So are we really wasting our time and barking up the wrong tree? Perhaps we are. Maybe we're not. Maybe a good way forward from today's podcast would be that we broaden our vision as to what is the vehicle through which we can achieve a thorough understanding of our planetary boundaries and, and devise solutions that are just and equitable. For metrics would never be enough and definitely some imperialistic vantage point of disciplines are not going to help. For ecosystems are complex entities. An important caveat also remains that where we sit determines our frame. Say for someone in the global north, the conversation starts from sustainability. But there are a whole bunch of people in the global south for whom the conversation ends when they fall directly off the vulnerability grid to a disaster trap. A good note to end today would be that we transition towards a society where well-being is reconceived. And this reconceptualization should include well-being of the living human being along with the rest of the biosphere. It should include the idea of just distribution, keeping both intragenerational and intergenerational justice in mind. And a society where these decisions about conflicting priorities and ethical frameworks are taken through a deeply democratic process. So how do we get there? Let's start with the questions of rights and governance and move towards a research agenda that is both grounded in multiple disciplines that do not shy away from robust interaction and a broad normative framework. Well, the COP couldn't do it. It rather tried creating an isolated utopia while the rest of the world burns. But let's try it.